and welcome to episode 447 of Awards Daily's Water Cooler Podcast. I'm your host, Clarence Moy, and I'm joined by one other M. So M, here's the drum roll. Let's figure out who you are and where they can find you on the internet. <laughs> Hi, I'm Megan McLaughlin. You can find me on Twitter at HeyDudeMeg. <laughs> what if I did the whole podcast like that? <laughs> that would be quite annoying. That is not how <laughs> Megan talks. You have to... You have to you have to go a bit flatter. She has a bit of a flatter voice. No, that's not an insult. It's just it's just more uh more like um hey. No, I can't do it. I'm not gonna do it anymore. Sorry. <laughs> I just it just it's not gonna come out right and it's gonna sound insulting. So she doesn't sound like a recently it. outed Muppet like I do. <laughs> <laughs> anyway. Um well, you know who Joey is and you know where you yeah, can find him I'm on Twitter. So sorry. <laughs> that's okay. Um so yeah, we were without Megan this week. Uh, Megan is off doing many wonderful things, and as we are recording, she is on her way to the Madonna concert. Is that in Pittsburgh or Philly? Pittsburgh. Pittsburgh. Okay, so she's going to the Madonna concert, uh, and Dallas. then later on this week, she'll be the at the SCAD Atlanta TV Festival, ATV. So she's going to be posting all kinds of things on the website, so you'll get to follow a lot of Megan's stuff. Just make sure you follow on the website. Uh, and so Joey and I are just going to sit here and chat about a couple of things, so... Joey, how are you doing? Oh, I'm fine. How are you? <laughs> I'm presumably doing better than you because you just got out of a movie screening of uh, Matthew Vaughn's Argyle, which is one of our topics today. So um, I assume that you are bewildered, bamfoozled, and hopefully, like I was, wanting to draw up a letter to Apple for $200 million. <laughs> because apparently they'll just throw it around <laughs> any old place. Yeah, there was a. I typically we usually tip. Uh, we usually typically we uh, usually record on Monday evening, so it's usually after I've had dinner. Um, and my husband Jason will give me like a glass of wine, and you know I'll sit in our little podcast room. I got home. It is five. I got home at like five twenty-five. And I was just like, I've got to go upstairs and talk about this movie. I was like clamoring <laughs> to open up a new bottle of wine and uh, the dog was very confused. So that that is the mood I'm in. Uh, excellent. Yeah. Well, um, well, we're going to talk about three things today. And then sort of the title of this podcast is uh, we're bringing the claws out and um, not necessarily oh, us. Yeah. Right. No, sometimes uh, they, but there, there are some claws that have been engaged in, in something maybe related to the Grammys. So we're going to talk about the Grammy show. Um, and then we're going to talk about Argyle. And then we're going to talk about uh, Feud, Capote versus the Swans, which in theory should have a lot of claws, uh, considering how catty and dramatic and campy the material can be. But we're going to follow up and decide whether or not it actually delivers on that front. And then after we're doing that, we will obviously jump to the flash forward to the media we're most anticipating in the upcoming week. There it is. I found it. I pulled it back, brought us back on track. Here we go. So, Joey, I hope you had a good weekend. Did you catch the uh, the, the uh, latest True Detective yet? No, I'm behind. I'm waiting for waiting for my husband. That's the the bad thing about when we get into a show together. Uh, um, his shitty doctor schedule just fucks up my viewing schedule. <laughs> oh, see, yeah. um, Lane and I who is my wife, as you know, uh, we have an arrangement. I watch everything first and then I watch it again with her because, you it's know, there's a, a lot of things, there's a lot of things that come in between and, and, you know, uh, 
a lot of times I'm doing a review. I'm interviewing people. I need mm-hmm. to stay up to to abreast. I mean, we still haven't watched. Um, she still hasn't seen Gilded Age or uh, Lessons in Chemistry. We're not even finished with The Crown yet. So mm-hmm. uh, that that shows you how far behind we are. Um, anyway, right. um, so the Grammys. So the Grammys were last night, watched by a lot of people. I saw 16.5 million. Um, They're usually a very fun show. And I would say what I saw, I didn't watch the entire three and a half hour show, but um, lots of performances. I did watch some of the performances on uh, YouTube this morning. Um, Mm -hmm. It looked like it was a good, fun show. How much did you watch? How much did you engage with the Grammys? Um, I'm sort of just paying attention to it on Twitter and seeing people's reactions and stuff. And then as more stuff started coming out, I uh, I watched some of the performances this morning. Um, the Grammys, I admit, is not typically a show that I make an appointment to watch. Um, but it felt like there was a lot of chatter about a lot of really cool things and some controversial things. So I thought I would uh, try to... I, I, I basically caught up with at least... Most, if not all, of the performances and, and stuff like that. And um, I neglected to mention the fact that we need to recognize um, Celine Dion, who is standing in the corner of our recording booth here. Um, just just wanted to to say hello and uh, <laughs> didn't want to didn't yeah, didn't want to be rude and. Uh, uh, so that's that was the big thing that, that has become the takeaway. There's two big things. Um, one is perennial. Uh, a black woman has not won album of the year in 25 years since Lauren Hill, the miseducation of Lauren Hill. Crazy. <laughs> it is crazy, but I think there's a reason to it and it's not racism. It's, um, I was like, they like white people. <laughs> well, I mean, okay. So the way that the Grammys and I am not a Grammy expert, but the way that the Grammys traditionally vote is they have all of those. It's like, if you're, if you look at the Academy, you've got all those branches, right? You've got, um, you've got the, uh, the directors, you've got the actors, you've got the writers, all that stuff. But, you know, you've got country, you've got pop, you've got all kinds of mm-hmm. different flavors. And I think it's very hard. It's much harder to find an album that everybody can have a consensus on as the best album of the year compared to the best film of the year. Because music tastes vary so dramatically different. And when you look at right. what... Beyonce has put out, for example, because I know that's the one that everybody talks about. Even though she has 32 Grammys, she's never won album of the year. That's the person that everybody talks about that should have won a couple of times against Harry Styles, which I can't argue about that, uh, against Adele, against Taylor Swift, Fearless, I think it was back in 2008 or nine. Hmm. Her albums are unapologetically black. It comes from her own personal experience and not everybody can understand that and not everybody can appreciate that. Right. So it's, I think it's hard for those albums. I'm not saying she shouldn't do that. Please don't send me letters. I a hundred percent applaud the style of music that she wants to pursue, pursuing her own voice. Um, I just think it's really hard to get a large body of a large voting body to commonly agree that they all love that album when they just don't have any experience to it, with it. Traditionally, what wins is something that is a, it is kind of even keel for everybody. You, you know, it's, it, it, it appeals to a, a broad mass of people. And so that's why you see Taylor Swift winning a lot, because I think she does appeal to a broad, I mean, even if you don't, you know, you know, those in the reggae wing or something, I can't 
think of the specific branches, but even if they don't like it, you know, she's got country, she's got the pop branch, she's, you know, pick up a little bit here and there, and she's got a pretty significant base of support. Um, so I personally think that's what happens. I don't think it's, the Academy clearly loves Beyonce because she's got 32 Grammys, but uh, I just think that it's hard to get a common consensus on albums that are outside of the average everyday experience of a Grammy member. Does that make sense? Yeah, I think that makes sense. Um, I think it's sort of, I'm so just even looking back at last year's nominees for album of the year, it was Harry Styles, Adele for 30, which I think, I think some people were a little disappointed in that album. I, I think it's, it's really good. Uh, Mary J. Blythe, Good Morning Gorgeous, uh, Brandy Carlisle, Kendrick Lamar, Coldplay, Beyonce, Lizzo, Bad Bunny, and ABBA. And it's sort of like, I don't even dislike a ton of Harry Styles music. Like, it's, I think it's fine, but I was just like, <laughs> like that. Yeah. That ain't going to age well. Um, but I think I can sort of see what you mean when it comes to, um, and uh, I mean, if I think you sort of, uh, she, Taylor Swift is everywhere. She's quite, uh, even when, if you're not even talking about like music, like you're thinking about, she's everywhere in the news for her boyfriend, uh, all this stuff. She's quite probably the most famous person on the planet right now. Um, I don't yes. know. Uh, and something that I thought was interesting about the Grammys is just that I, as much as I know tons of people that I follow online and a lot of my friends watch the show, I feel like out of almost all of the award shows, I feel like people are always most angry about the Grammys. Um, not even take into consideration what is this year. Um, I, I just feel like there's always just like, I can't believe they did this X, Y, and Z. I don't know. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, again, music tastes differ so dramatically. Everybody who is, you know, a lot of people who are online have some common, um, common agreement in, in terms of the things that they like. But it's 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 really hard to put a thousand people into a. And I know the, the voting academy is much bigger than that, but put a thousand people in the same room and everybody agree what the best album of the year is. I, I just it's it's really tough to make it something that is is left of center. Um, I mean, if you go, I mean, and you you can see this play out too because, um, well, I don't want to. I, I, I don't know that that really plays out into the the main, the other two, the record of the year and song of the year. Two categories that Taylor Swift has never won. Um, I don't know how they differ, um, how the voting with those differs from the voting of album of the year. I assume it would be the same. But again, I haven't done my research and my yeah. homework there, so I should probably not continue to talk about that. But um, yeah, it, it's just... And anyway, so that's one. There's the perennial controversy, which again, I, I, I understand what people are saying. I do think it's it's you know inexcusable. I just the music industry is a really weird place right now. Um, but the other controversy is also involving Taylor Swift, where she did accept her album of the year award. My take on it, and again, admittedly, a fan. My Would take you consider on it, yourself a Swifty? No. Okay. No, because I uh, so here's where I draw the line. I don't go crazy. Well, I, I don't go into videos and look for Easter eggs and try to tr to translate what she means by this or that thing. And that's what Swifties do. 
I'm a fan. I like her music. Okay. I am, I am white. I am vanilla. Fine. Whatever. Just <laughs> hurl those, <laughs> those bricks at me. I will accept them. Um, my take on this is I don't think she really anticipated winning. And I think she was genuinely surprised. Um, I didn't actually think she would win. I didn't think that they would make that choice to give her a, an historic number of album of the year wins mm-hmm. over SZA, who came in with a leading number of nominations. Yeah. A black woman hasn't won in 25 years. It's, it is a popular album. I mean, that is played on, you know, white bread radio stations all around. I mean, you know, here in Raleigh, Kill Bill was played on, I mean, almost every time you turn on the radio, it, that song was on. Yeah. So it's, it, it is a, it was a popular album. It's not like it's, it's some niche thing. It was definitely a, 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 uh, a pop album. Um, I actually thought she would win. And so I think when she won, she was surprised, maybe not surprised, but also surprised. She was flustered. She didn't want to go up there. I think she also recognized the controversy that would come with this. So she didn't want to go up there by herself. She didn't want it to just be all about Taylor Swift. She wanted to take her team up there with her and her team seemed kind of reluctant. So she spent a lot of time gathering people. As you saw, she drug Lana Del Rey up there. She was took Jack Anatoff and she took two other people that I don't know up there. Um, and I think she was trying to get somebody else to speak and they wouldn't, they wouldn't do that. They, they wanted her to speak. They didn't want to take the mic. And I think she was just very flustered in the whole thing. And she just, didn't recognize the fact. I mean, I admittedly, I thought it was weird that she didn't say, Oh my God, I can't believe I'm winning this album, getting this trophy from the great Celine Dion. Um, mm-hmm. I do feel like that's something you say, <laughs> I will, I will admit, but to the extent that all of these people online have gone sort of kind of crazy over it. I, I don't support that. I don't think she has any kind of beef. I don't think there's any kind of hatred between those two women. How can you hate Celine Dion? Um, uh. Yeah. You know, she just is is a at times scatterbrained person who just got flustered, and you know, there you go. Yeah. I what were your that, thoughts? Um, so I watched it back. I knew okay, especially because I love Celine Dion. Like, not to be like, um, I would say I, I I'm a little bit more of a chai, like an ice chai. <laughs> um, there's a. I, I, Celine Dion, like, I, I listen to her music all the time. I am a giant faggot. Um, I am a giant white faggot. Um, I love me a power ballad. Like, if sometimes if I'm in a bad mood, I will watch her. Why am I blanking on where it is? She's on a huge stage and she has this ridiculous microphone and she sings, um, River Deep, Mountain High. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. I watch that. That's one of my go to, like, pick me ups if I'm ever in a bad mood. I love Celine Dion. So when I saw people, on Twitter tweeting Celine Dion, Celine Dion, Celine Dion. I freaked out because I was just like, what's going on? And then I started seeing the pictures of her and she looks great. Um, She looks really good. Um, There's been a lot of, the only thing we've heard about her is the, you know, the illness that she has and it's, you know, super sad and, you know, she's not performing and, and um, I do agree that it's sort of just like, Oh, it's kind of weird that she's not just, especially because other people pointed out other artists that won awards were like, I can't believe you're handing me this. I love you. And, and blah, blah, blah. So like her getting up there and being kind of, she's awkward. She's an awkward person. Um, yeah. I'm not making, I'm not making excuses for Taylor Swift, but it's also just like, I was, I think it's sort of like, uh, 
anything that people who don't like her or who are tired of her or think she's overexposed, anytime that they can have an opportunity to like rip her down, they'll do it. Mm-hmm. Um, and like I saw one person who I took like a video recording of their Twitter feed, and it was like I think it was at least five tweets that are just like she's overrated with a Shit's Creek GIF. Oh, I can't believe this. Another GIF. And then it was just like, I understand being frustrated, but like, if you don't like somebody, like stop, like don't <laughs> stop talking about them. I don't know. Um, and I do think that some people said that they thought it was weird that Taylor Swift came out and was like, oh my God, this is my so-and-so Grammy. By the way, I'm releasing an album. <laughs> yeah. I'm releasing another album. So I think she started off the evening with a little bit. I think she... I don't say rub people the wrong way, but people who don't like her, they were ready to not like her for the whole rest of the evening. Um, I, I mean, I, I think it's fair to say she rubbed people the wrong way. I mean, I, I, yeah. I did not watch she that. I, but I think it's, it is strange that she comes up there and she says, I mean, 13 is a huge number for her. And perhaps people who aren't fans don't know that, but her 13 is her special number. It's, it's in everything she does. It's all kinds of like numerology stuff. She's kind of weird that way. Um, when she says, ha, this is a album. Yeah, no, no, uh, uh, no, okay. no, 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 no. It's her 13th Grammy win. Oh, um, And so she, that's why she was like, oh, she wasn't saying I've won 13 of these because it's actually not that many compared to Beyonce, who has 32, Jay-Z, who has 24, you know, on and on and on. Mm-hmm. Even Kanye has 24 Grammys. Um, but uh, so obviously she's got a lot of Grammys. She doesn't have a anywhere near a record amount of Grammys, but you know, it was, it was, I think it was funny to her that she did, Oh, this is my 13th one. Oh, see, I don't 13. know that. Okay. That puts yeah. that into perspective. Okay. That's why she um, said it. But then to follow it up with, Oh, and by the way, I love you fans. And here's a record. I just wish she wasn't releasing another record this year. <laughs> I just, well, it was think also she, just like, I, somebody at work told me, they were like, I need a break. Like I need a break. <laughs> yeah. Like, it's not like her music is going to go away anytime soon. And it's just like, even if like, this was it, and the only thing that we heard for the rest of the year was stuff between her and Travis Kelsey because he's going to be playing in the Super Bowl next week. I know sports, not just the <laughs> calendar. Um, like it, there's that. There's all the the you know. It's she's not. It's not like she's doing it to stay relevant. She she doesn't need to do that. But it's just sort of like at least two people just today. They're like, did you watch the Grammys? And we started talking about it, and they're just like, ah, oh, there's more. There's more music coming. <laughs> yeah, I know. And so I think people are also just tired. They're tired of hearing about her all the time. And the the re- another reason why they keep keep talking about her is she just keeps she just doesn't stop producing music. Well, <clears throat> she's put herself into a trap because she did this whole I'm going to recreate my albums and re-record my right. albums to break free from this you know bad deal with that big machine. And uh, and Scooter Braun and um, she did. I don't think she ever thought that these albums would be as big of a deal as they are. I bet the original plan was to release them pretty quickly within a you know a year, but mm-hmm. then they kept selling and they kept selling and they sold millions and millions of copies. And so then they had to be a deal every six months. I think she wants the world to enjoy. So Jalal had a theory. I talked to Jalal about this. I think she wants the. I think she just wants to get new music out there, because um, uh, has. Okay. But Jalal thinks that this album, which I need to remember the name of it, it's that tar- tortured poets society or te- tortured poets, tortured yeah, poets uh, uh, department. 
the tortured poets department. Um, the tortured poets thing, I think, is a reference to her ex-boyfriend, Joe Allen. And I, Jalal seems, thinks, and this is probably as good of a guess as any, um, that this is a Joe Allen breakup album. And she wants to get this out of the way so that she can kind of move on with Travis Kelsey. Oh, uh, okay. Okay, that makes sense. No, no. I, I mean, there has to be a reason, a reason for the urgency because she just put out 1989. And now she's putting out a new album. And then she's going to have to put out Reputation. Then she's going to have to put out Taylor's version. <laughs> of uh, Taylor Swift, the the debut album is like, yeah. ah, it's a lot of stuff, and it's not cheap. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, uh, other things happened at the Grammys other than Taylor Swift. Um, oh, like the the Tracy Chapman, that was oh, great, beautiful. Oh, God, beautiful. it was so exciting. Like Jesus, she's. I have loved that song ever since 1989. Um, it is a. It is one of the best songs ever written. Um, it is, it is just such a sad, poignant, yeah. beautiful, and she performed it beautifully. I am not a fan of the Luke Combs, um, version. Mm-hmm. I think it's fine. I just, it's, it just, nothing can touch the, I love the original so much. Nothing can touch it for me. But, um, I, I thought it was great that he was in deference to her. You could tell that, you know, he was letting her take the lead. He was mm-hmm. looking at her, he was smiling at her, he was supporting at her, he was supporting her, um, you know, so uh, to me, the song should have won song record of the year back in 1989 instead of Don't Worry, Be Happy. Mm-hmm. So it was great. It was a great moment. Um, yeah, where, do great. You, where do you stand on the whole Miley Cyrus of it all? Um, I like that album. Um, I have actually always thought that Miley Cyrus never gets the credit that she deserves for her vocal talent um because i think she has a really nice voice now do i think that i saw i think it was lewis Bertel who tweeted something about like in one look she's channeling like four different eras of jane fonda <laughs> um which i thought was sort of brilliant um i think it's kind of crazy that this is she won her first grammy I, you can tell she was having a really great night um I do think that uh, I saw the New York Times said, she's the new share. And I was like, all right, whoa, 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 whoa. <laughs> Let's slow down. We're mixing our faggot icons a little too, a little too freely, in my opinion. But um, I, I like the sort of extremity of her look. I liked her because a lot of people were talking about what she looks like. Um, I, I saw actually the funniest thing that I saw that I retweeted about her last night was i think it was the u.s military uh tweeted something out that was how has serving impacted you and someone tweeted a picture of her (laughs) on stage and said i don't know ask her (laughs) i don't know i think she's in a in a point of her life where uh she just i think creatively she just keeps getting better and better and i i like me some miley cyrus who knew yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm, I look. I mean, I think she's got talent. I think her personal life is a little, and her personality are a little out there. Um, but again, I'm, you know, uh, I'm not going to begrudge her winning that award. I think, uh, mm-hmm. you know, it's a good song. Um, what I find interesting is again, I'm going to go back to the Twitter, Twitter of it all, and people were comparing, you know, trying to 
get into the Celine Dion thing by saying, oh, look, you know, we love Miley, so, Miley Cyrus so much. Look, she she recognized Mariah Carey when Mariah Carey mm-hmm. handed her out an award. And then like in the next tweet, post something incredibly mean about her look or her outfit or say. Oh, really? Yeah. I mean, it was, it's just, it's, it's like, well, you can't have it both ways. <laughs> you can't be praising her and then saying but, something incredibly catty. But then let's shitty. just tear her down. Yeah. He yeah. Said. I mean, that's, that's the thing is that it's, it's, there's this online culture that's all about tearing people down. And that's where I get tired of being online. Yeah. Uh, um, Louis Vertel said, Jane Fonda fans, somehow Miley has achieved Barbarella homage, China syndrome newswoman perm, and mid-2010s L'Oreal campaign in one look. Someone's about to join Nixon's enemies list. Yeah, I saw that. Apparently, um, according to Jalal, she joined a cult recently. So um, oh, we'll have to follow up with Megan on that. I need, Yeah, Megan's the cult queen. By the way, we should talk about this when Megan's on the podcast again. Um, we never did talk about the Oscars, so next week I'm going to give you a homework, homework assignment. Next week I want yes. to know where we stand on the fantasy Oscar pool. Oh, I actually have an update, but I didn't want to do it because Megan wasn't here. Yeah, so we'll um, do it but, next week. So we'll, we'll talk about the Oscars next week a little bit, just to because we haven't reacted to the nominations. Um, and maybe we can sure. do a kind of a slant to look look forward to the, the future and kind of figure out what we think I, re- <laughs> I realized we uh we never did a trade no i know we never did did we and i was like huh <laughs> i don't know that i would have traded anything though to be honest no ever actually all of us are we're all doing very well so uh good the the only thing that's weird is no one has margot robbie but i guess eventually in the long run i guess they wouldn't have gotten points for that anyway but then also no one has uh, the holdovers, which I thought was interesting. That was on my list. I'm going to pull up my, uh, yeah, that was on my potential trade list. Um, but I probably would have gone for Maestro over the holdovers back in November. Um, no, actually, after I'd seen Maestro, I definitely wouldn't have gone for it. Never mind. But I wouldn't yep. have traded. Yeah. Um, I, I may be able to trade it out American Fiction. Seeing that that kind of mm, no, that's that start when I started because I, I had gotten really behind with everything, and then I did like w- there was one day where I did nothing. I was like off of my day job, and I the only thing that I did was update the spreadsheet, and it didn't start off that strong, but it started because you have American Fiction, Zone of Interest, and Spider Man, uh, Spider Man. So you you are knocking up stuff pretty much every single time the same way that Megan is racking up points where she has Barbie and Oppenheimer. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of, and for like different awards bodies, like almost if there's an ensemble category, it's like Barbie Oppenheimer and uh, American fiction is picking up a lot too. And a lot of your stuff is double doping. So, well with my actors, I wouldn't have traded anybody. I mean, I would, I would like, I mean, Hindsight being twenty twenty, I would have traded uh, Barry Keoghan, who didn't really pick up that much for Saltburn. But mm-hmm. I wouldn't have known that in the end of November. And I, I didn't even have any potential trades on my list. I think the actor pool this year was kind of thin. Um, yeah. You could have done for, something with different women, maybe. Yeah, with actresses. Um, well, you have to have five and five. And I couldn't. Mm-hmm. Uh, actresses, I wouldn't have dropped Sandra Hewler, obviously. I wouldn't have dropped Greta Lee. Um, 
in November, I wouldn't have dropped Natalie Portman, although I don't think she picked up any points. Maybe um, Golden Globe nomination, but uh, that was about it. Um, I wouldn't have dropped Carrie Mulligan. And in November, I wouldn't have dropped Fantasia Barino. Um, right. But nobody had Jodie Foster. So no. I probably should have swapped out Natalie Portman for Jodie or, Foster. Or you could have picked up, someone could have picked up uh, Sandra Hubler for Zone of Interest. Yeah, but she's uh she only no, she didn't get um she was only picking up like regional stuff. I think Natalie Portman did okay. She didn't do great, but uh yeah. So the other thing uh that we can talk about during this Oscar conversation next week, and then we need to jump to Argyle, is um did you know Diana and I had, had a secret husband? Uh no. Yeah. His name is Bart Springtime. <laughs> no, it's not. No. Yes, it is. Oh wow! Okay. Yep. She is married huh. to a man. But I go. thought she was a lovely. <laughs> anyway, uh, so you are the most re- recent of us. You of the two of us, you have most recently seen Argyle. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to give you the immense pleasure of describing oh, the film God. Argyle. <laughs> That is, oh, why, thank you. Um, the floor is yours. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to take a giant shit on it. Um, so the main premise of Argyle is the fact that Bryce Dallas Howard plays an author named Ellie Conway, and she has, she is a spy novelist, and um, I guess after the first uh action sequence you learn who she really is but um argyle is played by henry cavill and then john cena plays a guy another agent named wyatt and um eventually she's approached by an actual secret agent named uh aiden played by sam rockwell and uh he basically says hey you know all those books he wrote well they came true and your newest book that no one's read yet they um you know horrible espionage is actually happening and we need you to you know basically use your writer brain to uh help us (laughs) figure the rest of this shit out um this movie sucks (laughs) sorry (laughs) it is like the best way i can describe it is there are so many like twists that are so like I thought Matthew Vaughn was sitting in the front of my theater and after every twist happened, he was like going to turn and go, ah, ah. <laughs> um, it's, and it's like they wrote those first or they figured out what the twists were going to be first. And then they just sort of filled it in with dialogue and they filled it in with action. This is like if the movie spy was bad. Um, it's just, I think it's, <laughs> I expected going into this movie, it was like a lot of people don't like it. Some people really do like it. I was really excited to see it because it was a very divisive movie. And I thought, watch, I'm going to go into this movie and I am going to actually have a really good time. Why is it so long? It is over two hours long. Um, by the time that you get to that last fight between two characters, a man and a woman, at the end and with a you know a magical music box i was like why are we doing this like why are we making this so fucking long and it's just so 
I don't know. It thinks it's way cleverer than it is. And um, I, I'm just so mad watching this movie. And I will say just one last thing about it. Um, I have probably said it before. Uh, I want a nice depiction of a cat on screen. And they sort of don't do it, and they kind of do. But um, as a as a as a cat person myself, uh, I wanted more screen time for the cat. So get a root canal instead. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> That's a ringing endorsement. Put it's, that on the poster. Get a root canal the, instead. Get a root canal instead. But you might have to get two to cover the running time of those. This Ugh. movie, this movie, <laughs> Clarence, reminded, what do you think? <laughs> I agree with everything you said. This movie reminded me of the Avengers, but not the Avengers that we everybody knows. The Avengers, the 1998 <laughs> Avengers film, how now, starring, uh, yes, and started starring Ray Fiennes and Uma Thurman, which is a wink wink spy thriller like this one, but literally. The jokes in it, no one finds funny except for the team that is involved in this project. Like it, I it is yeah, it is bad on so many levels. Um, and some of the levels I can't talk about because they're spoilers, and, and I certainly don't want to spoil a film for people. I will say that I was <sighs> I was turned off pretty early on when Ellie Conway, played by Bryce Dallas Howard starts to recognize that she is she gets confused between the spy uh, that's in front of her played by Sam Rockwell and the spy that she has invented played by Henry Cavill. And so there are a lot of scenes of Sam Rockwell engaged in combat on a train that are shot with yeah. him and they're shot with Henry Cavill and they're re-edited together. I found that to be the worst stylistic choice. I found it very confusing, ugly, just <laughs> didn't make any narrative sense. Um, and Bryce Dallas Howard doesn't know how to, they don't give her a lot of material in that sequence to react well, because she's just kind of like, you know, she's just mouth hanging open, staring agape, like, I, I, you know, screaming, I don't understand here. Let me get my cat. And I understand why they're doing that because of some changes, some things that happen later on the film. So don't believe me. Don't, don't think that I don't understand why she is mousy in the beginning because it sets up an admittedly very unbelievable plot twist. Um, and she, Bryce Dallas Howard, is asked to do things in this film that I don't think that that character in that, in that character could actually do. Like, you oh, know this you know right. the scene i'm talking about like even yeah. if she did remember things again i'm talking I'm, I'm i don't want to spoil anything she that was like five years ago <laughs> there's no way she could do that now like it just it, it, i don't know it, it it's so silly and 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 ugly and not well made and the performances are all over the place and and you know to the point where you're like oh there's Catherine O'Hara in a in a British accent that's incredibly fake. And oh, well, that kind of makes sense consider right. and Brian Cranston is in this. And I'm like, why? It just none of it. None of it is good. None of it. There's not a single thing that and, and poor Ariana DeBose, 
just has like three scenes and she pops up and smirks at the camera and she's given nothing to do whatsoever. I mean, yeah. It's, it's, yeah. Even the opening number where I know it's supposed to be above uh, over the top because it's, it's her writing her book, but the dance sequence between Henry Cavill and Dua Lipa, Henry Cavill did yeah. much better with his uh, cock in the fist, cock in the arms thing. Um, he can't dance and it's so painfully obvious that he can't dance and just the, just, it's bad. It's just, it's early candidate for the worst film of the year for me. I was so, here's the thing. When I close my eyes, I also see Henry, Henry Cavill. And the thing (laughs) is that, uh, (laughs) that makes a lot of sense to me. Um, but I was just like, why, why? Um, and, and it was just so, okay. Another thing that I don't understand, kind of, not even necessarily to do with the movie, I was like, can we get Henry Cavill to do something else? I feel like we're wasting him as an actor. Like, maybe, maybe I just don't know what he wants to do. Maybe he just wants to do big um tenpole movies he just wants to do action stuff that's in his wheelhouse that's fine but i was like i would love him to have like a nice guys i would love for him to have something like fox catcher i would love to see him do something else am i complaining that he's handsome and uh just beats the shit out of people no um but uh, i don't know god but he's god too He's too physically big. He has worked himself He's out. He's a huge man. He is too large to be in dramas. Like, it's going to be distracting. You can't put him in as, you know, flap in terms of endearment. <laughs> I mean, it just won't work. There's, you have to put him in these, like, superhuman type things because he jacked himself up to play Superman. Then he was playing this this guy in, um, in The Witcher. And, okay. you know... Uh, the, the closest thing he's come was to playing Sherlock Holmes in that Enola Holmes Netflix movie. Oh yeah. And you know, the best thing he's done in the past 10 years has been mission impossible fallout. And that's, that's not good. I mean, you know, he, that movie's good. He's good in it, but that is not mm-hmm. a positive thing for a career. When you, he just obviously casting directors don't see him as an everyday ordinary person. Right. Um, he is, um, probably anytime I look at him, I think I heard Sasha say this on like years and years ago that he was just like, he's just one of the most, this isn't a quote, but I mean, like cosmically handsome people ever. Like there's sort of like, anytime I see, he could be, I mean, maybe he could just be like the brawny man that could fit his, I don't know, <laughs> do some, I don't know. He's just like. Anytime I see him on screen, I'm always like, ah, ah, ah. <laughs> just sort of like, all right. But I don't know. It's just, I think this doesn't even tap into his talents. I don't know. I feel like no. even on a certain level, like he's strangely wasted. And maybe he'll just get cast as James Bond and it'll be the hottest James Bond ever, whatever, blah, 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 blah. But whatever. I, I was like, I was like, oh, I, in the trailer, I did see everything Dua Lipa did. Great. Um, <laughs> and I love, I love Bryce Dallas Howard. Um, I love her. I've always loved her. And then it was just like, I actually think the funniest thing 
would be um actually maybe i shouldn't say this i'll, I'll message you but um when we learn about something yeah uh yeah, yeah that's what i'll i don't want to spoil anything so well I, do I do i also think that like i feel like we can't talk about something we can't talk yeah, about i know and that's part of my problem too that's that's probably that's part of my problem is that i can't I can't talk about really how I feel because it, it, it involves spoilers in the end. So we'll just, we'll just move on. I think we've spent too much time talking about, um, something else. See, I like, good God. Like I know we are begging for original content, but not this original content. <laughs> go, go, well, go watch anatomy of a fall again. Go, Jesus. And the fact that, that, you know, uh, I've never seen any of these, uh, what are the Kingsman movies? Yeah. Um, I've never seen a single one of those. Um, I, I did see X, I thought X-Men days of future past first class. Those movies were good. I liked kick ass. Mm -hmm. Um, but he's making, it feels like he's making, at least from what I've seen on the trailers between the Kingsman secret service and the Kingsman golden circle and the King's man, and now Argyle feels like he's making the same movie over and over and over again. And people give him a lot of money. This is, in, this is why people get pissed off when women are criticized for directing something like The Marvels. Yeah. Because The I Marvels know. is a better Ugh. movie than Argyle. Fuck yeah, And yet, she will never get to make a movie on that scale ever again. And, uh, and he fails upward. And he gets to make the same movie over and over again. And he gets astronomical budgets this movie cost 200 million or, or sold to apple for 200 million dollars this movie will make apple no money but he made money off of this because <laughs> his company made it and then sold it to apple for 200 million dollars that's a great point thinking like she like you're talking about how bryce dallas howard is creating a name for herself as a director and it's like she'll never direct a movie with that no. budget maybe i don't know i mean and it's just uh I mean, knock on wood, she will, but it's just sort of like, I would rather see a, if you're going to do a different perspective of a spy action movie, give it to somebody like Bryce Dallas Howard. I would rather see her spin on this movie. Uh, yes. Like, Jesus. God. <laughs> um, all right. So let's cut to Feud, Capote versus the Swans. And this is the second season of fx's on hulu's anthology television series feud created by ryan murphy of course um the first season focused on it was uh obviously focused on um on uh, joan crawford and betty davis and uh here we have uh, truman capote and this is based on a novel capote's women a true story of love betrayal and a swan song for an era by lawrence lemur and um it's basically about Truman Capote toward the end of his career. And he had a collective of women that he hung out with and ate lunch with and gossiped with in New York society. And he nicknamed them the swans. Um, and uh, eventually he ended up writing about them in thinly veiled versions of them in an Esquire magazine. And uh, that started a fight. And they basically asked, well, I don't say it's, I won't say it started a fight because nobody actually fights in this. Uh, it, 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 they ostracize him from society mm -hmm. and it, uh, and it eventually sets him down this incredibly nasty, uh, quarter that, uh, eventually leads to his death. Not a spoiler alert. He is dead. <laughs> um, Wait. so how many episodes have you seen? I've only seen two. Okay. So that, um, that 
Yeah. So this dropped on the 31st. I've seen the whole show. Uh, so I'm going to let you go first since you've only seen two and then I'll kind of tailor my reaction based on what you've seen. Sure. Um, so I like it. I am very curious as to how this is eight episodes. Yes. Oh, okay. Um, I am actually reading a it's not a version of the stories. It's it's sort of a uh what's the word compiled um version of what answered prayers was, like what was published in mm-hmm. Esquire, I believe, um, with a bunch of editor's notes in it. Um, because he never actually published the book Answered Prayers. Um, it never came to fruition, really. Um, there was, there's a really interesting when I was, re- I started this morning and it's only like 140 pages. So I'll probably be finished with it by tomorrow. Um, but it's, uh, you know, basically he makes the decision to publish these stories based on the women that he knows, um, like Babe Paley and, uh, CZ and Slim and, you know, played by Naomi Watts, Diane Lane, Chloe Sevigny, um, and I think it. I think it's in the first or second episode where he basically says, "I think it's the second episode when he has lunch with Chloe Sevigny, where he's like, I'm always listening, like, and it's sort of like no matter what you said to him, he probably assumed that he had permission to use it in a." Uh, in his way reminded me of, I actually am, I used to be like super obsessed with Truman Capote um, just because he was a, uh, you know, he was such a fascinating one of a kind person. And there was a line in the 2006 film uh, infamous. um, I think it's said by it's Hope Davis. Hope Davis plays slim who I think in this is played by Diane Lane. Right. Um, he says something like, you don't tell me anything. Why don't you do that? And she's like, because someday you'll use it. Um, And it's sort of this really sad period of like the 1960s when, well, first of all, I had to, I think that I thought was so hilarious when I rewatched it with Jason, it was just like, I forgot that there was literally like a minute of him in the eighties, just like, title card, 1988 or something. It was like 1980s or 1970s. And he just, Standing by, like, looking at swans. <laughs> like, we needed a whole title card for that. Um, I just thought that was funny. And uh, I don't know. It's it's I was it's actually sadder than I expected it to be. Um, I mean, the trailers are sort of uh, positioning it as this not this campy thing, but it's it's sort of like you know the tagline is the original housewives. Yeah, and uh, which, uh, from what I understand, the homosexuals think that is a interesting suggestion. Um, uh, I like it. I like it a lot. I think I'm I'm more drawn to. I actually um, consider myself a little Naomi Watts allergic, um, and I think she's actually really good in this. For what I've seen, the fragility is there. Um, there's something about her eyes and the the makeup, the way they made her mouth. 
Um, and that fucking helmet of hair, Jesus Christ. <laughs> um, I think that's really, I think Diane Lane is great. Um, yeah. I think, I think Chloe is great. Um, I don't necessarily have an issue with Tom Hollander as Truman Capote. In my mind, I've always thought, and maybe this is because this is a lot of his later in life stuff. Um, there's like a bounciness or a, 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 a physical lightness that I think is so far for me a little bit missing. Mm. Um, there's something about, I kept noticing, I was like, he's just sitting very firmly in a chair. Um, I just, I just have this idea of, we see it a little bit when he's talking at that party, when he's revealing what he thinks happened to Demi Moore and her husband is like, there's something about the, <laughs> I'll say flounciness, but the way that he moved while he was telling a story that I thought felt a little bit different. I'm not obviously a Truman Capote aficionado. Um, I have only seen limited things of him, limited things of him talking in that sort of space. Um, but I like what he's doing. Um, I'm just very interested to see how this goes beyond four episodes. I think I'm a little like, I mean, Ryan Murphy didn't direct any of this and he didn't write any of it, but it's just, I have that, uh, Ryan Murphy fear, I guess. I'm like, oh. But I'm I'm super excited about this Gus Van Zandt. I'm dying to talk to Gus Van Zandt because he's like a homo legend. So, well, I've seen the whole thing. So, um, I will say, it's the performances are all very strong. Like these are these are very talented actors who understand this material. I would, I think that. This is a story that Ryan Murphy, again, he didn't direct it, he didn't write it, but I think it's a story that has his fingerprints on it. Right, I think it I could agree. have had a little bit more Ryan Murphy-esque-ness to it, and it would have been a more compelling eight episodes. As mm -hmm. it is right now, it's a very dark, dour, I mean, it, it, it becomes very sad in episode four, and it never stops, and it's just constantly about saying goodbye to an era and saying goodbye to people. And it's, it's just a very depressing, um, limited series. And yeah. it's, if you, if you come to it thinking, Oh, there's going to be some bitches throwing wine at each other and there's going to be some scratching and Demi I mean, you really, shotgun. yeah. Yeah. I mean, you get that out of Demi Moore. Yes, you do. Um, who I think is not very good in this, but it's not entirely her fault. Cause I don't think her character is introduced in a way to give her a lot to do. Um, it's not a campy thing. And I think it, 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 like the, at least the initial, to me, the initial episode yearned to be camp and mm -hmm. Gus Van Sant was so adamant about making this a serious and thought provoking and, and poignant piece of material that it kind of drains all the fun out of it. Um, but again, the acting is very good. I just don't think this is a feud. Like, there's there's a couple of you know Demi Moore comes up to him and yells at him and you know all of that and it it just but that dissipates very quickly and it, you know essentially he is best friends with with Naomi Watts's babe Paley and they just kind of separate once that article comes out and you there's no engagement between the two of them for the rest of the 
this season. It just doesn't make it a feud. Like if you wanted yeah. to tell a Capote limited series, fine, this could have stood alone as a limited series. And I think the reactions to it would be very different as a feud, like comparing to, you know, remember the infamous uh, cunts um, <laughs> line from uh, feud Betty versus Joan. Yeah. There's nothing like that here. And it just doesn't, it doesn't have, and I'm not looking for a, a campy cat fest, but it's something that, that makes it, a fight like they they dumped the Charles and Diana se- season for this and I think that was the mm. right choice because nobody wants to see the Charles and Diana season after crown season four but um or five and six but uh I just don't think that this really works as a whole piece I think it the other choice that Gus Van Sant I don't know if it was Gus Van Sant or if it was the writer um John Robin Bates is it Bates Bates yeah John Robin Bates. Bates yeah um I couldn't tell if that was an L or an I. I had to look closer because I'm getting old. Um, I, I don't know whose choice this was, but they they cut up this series and have it play different eras all the time. Like yeah. you're in 68 at one point, then you're in 75, then you're back to 74, then you're in 78, and then you and jump like to 84. 55, yeah. yeah. Yeah, I mean, it, it's, it's all over the place. And it, it just, it could have used some some narrative continuity instead of just... And then you get to the end and the last episode, like, I don't want to spoil anything, but the last episode just, it, it just is, 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 there's a finite ending in, in seven. And then the last episode feels like this tacked on, um, por- uh, um, uh, prologue, uh, not prologue. Um, epilogue. Can't think. epilogue. Thank you. Uh, this tacked on epilogue that just kind of plays things over and takes characters from his book. And it just, it's a big artistic swing that I don't think it really connects. Mm. but um i think diane lane is fantastic as slim keith uh she's my favorite yeah. in the show um i you didn't mention calista flockhart i think calista flockhart oh yeah she's i cool. mean i didn't know how much i missed her perform yeah. her her acting until i see her in this i think she's fantastic um i think uh i i i think my reaction to Tom Hollander is more aligned with the fact that I just kind of am annoyed by Truman Capote. <laughs> um, but that's okay. Um, I think Tom Hollander makes a lot of choices. As you've mentioned, he makes a lot of very specific choices. I think he's giving a really good performance. And I think he will be Emmy nominated. Uh, and I think Naomi Watts is really good too. I think she's just, she's given one note to play and it's, after maybe the first two episodes and it's basically noble suffering and there's just not a lot of excitement around that. I don't know that she, I don't know if she's going to be Emmy nominated, especially if she's run as lead. Yeah. Which, I think um, would be. which is an incredible, I mean, you've already got at least three slots locked up with uh, Brie Larson, um, Jodie Foster and, uh, and a side unseen Kate Winslet. So uh, yeah, that's, that's tough. I think that um, I think the timeline thing is probably a, a that's a, sort of a Ryan Murphy signature. Mm-hmm. Um, I do because he did the same thing in Monster. Yeah, yeah. He um, I do think. I mean, the the what happened between especially Babe and Truman is sort of very well documented. Mm-hmm. So it's sort of like, it's not like, uh, I was, I was curious as how early they were going to introduce the Esquire 
thing because I was like, oh, it's in the first episode. I mean, obviously you have to introduce you have to introduce the feud, but um, the uh, if you think it, just not to compare them, but if you think about Betty and Joan, it's just they were filming a movie together. They mm-hmm. were they hated each other so much, and they were being thrust into the spotlight together. And this doesn't have. Uh, I don't say it doesn't have the levels of that. It's just, it's not, I agree with you that it's, it's not the same kind of feud um, that even though it's only one season is what the season or what the show and series is sort of like, I don't say known for, but yeah. Um, And it is sort of just about the distance between them. And it is, is I think it's already, it already is really sad. Like the whole thing about, um, Russell Tovey basically being this closeted straight guy, which, by the way, whoever did the cinematography of Russell Tovey giving um, Tom Hollander a hand job in a bathhouse with the hand like right there. And I was like, give that man a raise um, or woman a raise. I don't know, <laughs> like not make a boner joke, but a raise. Ah. But um, the 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 part where he goes to Molly Ringwald's house and Russell Tovey like knocks his teeth out like that is that is some dark 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 stuff um it's really sad um so if that is the direction the show is going in uh i'm glad it's week to week maybe i should watch it that way yeah it kind of is there's another um there's another episode where uh there is a um, conversation between the writer James Baldwin, who is also gay, um, and uh, and Truman Capote. And Baldwin is like, "You're a great writer. You need to to you know get over yourself. You need to come back and 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 you know, finish this book." And, and he's trying to pull Truman out of his depression. And so they go like all over New York, and it's basically like this forty five minutes of just. Isn't my life terrible? I'm so sad. And it, God, it's just it's so depressing. Like, I know people suffer, but Jesus, <laughs> it's just like everything is terrible for gay people. Oh, I don't like anything. It's just, it, it, it's just very sad. Yeah. I'm surprised um, at the direction it's going in. So, I, uh, the other thing, oh, there's another thing I was going to say. Um, I don't remember. Oh, well. <laughs> um, it's it's a mixed bag for me, and you haven't finished it, so uh, we can revisit it uh, when you come back. I do praise the performances, though. I, I just don't think the... Um, and the writing is good. I just wish, you know, there's just some... just feels like it needed a bit more of Ryan Murphy's... And maybe it is Ryan Murphy tweaking up the, the, the time... Uh, yeah. Lapse. Um, I don't know. I just, I just, I, I do think that this one is more. There was a point when I was watching the first episode, and I was just like, "Oh, okay, they're they're trying to be very, um, uh, purposeful with like the dialogue of this." Like, yeah. Um, so I felt like I had to tell myself to like really make sure I was paying attention. Uh, maybe it's just because it's Truman Capote and he's a wordsmith and blah blah. I will say that if it's what I have read already of answered prayers, um, the short stories. I mean, they're really, they're really good so far. And I can imagine, I I can easily see why they would want to turn this into a series. 
two things, and then I will um, I will shut up about this. Uh, one, um, the only the, the campiest thing in here is Jessica Lang playing the ghost of oh my god. mother. <laughs> oh my god, that's that like was, a, it's like I totally screamed. out of a different movie, <laughs> a different show. Yeah, it was. Uh, Wait till I you get to episode it. three. I told Jalal oh what happens at the end of episode three, and he's like, I'm watching this show now. But, like, she came out, like, um, I, I had to remind myself this was a limited series. When she comes out, it, it's just, like, the sort of invasiveness of how Gus Van Zandt filmed that, of how it's, like, almost, like, up their noses. Um, and the closeness between them, I thought, mm-hmm. was really, I was like, okay, okay. But we could do a whole other thing of uh, Truman Capote and the ghost. <laughs> like, I would watch Oh, yeah two hours of that like i know jessica lang has a long day's journey in tonight coming out eventually but if she wants to like do a real small indie thing uh, i'll <laughs> film it myself on my phone <laughs> I, yeah i mean yeah I, the closeness the close up shots of them and you know emphasizing the closeness of those characters yeah. and the, the uncomfortable closeness between them i think it's a bit obvious just like you know but but you start off the whole show with him staring at a pack of swans um sure. and then there's a there's a scene where this is a little bit of a spoiler but it's a, such a minor thing i can't not talk about it. it there's a scene where he um asks a cook a chef to go to a central park lake and to capture a swan so that he can then have him cook the swan and he eats the swan he eats a swan yes he eats a swan and oh, I was just like, God. why Why are we doing these things? Why, why is? Why are we doing such obvious things? You're just like, huh, that's a choice. That's um, a choice. Uh, the, the other thing that I will say about it that I I wanted it to be a little bit more of, of is um, I wanted to, I think it would have been fine if we'd have gotten an episode of them as friends. Like we have a couple of scenes interspersed throughout the whole series of yeah. that of Capote and the Swans, but maybe you know wasn't wasn't you know let's have a little bit of more of that. Let's let, how did they meet? You know, I mean, I guess they do go into how they meet. That's right, they did at that party. I don't know. I just feel like we go from flashes of how they interacted to now they're not friends anymore, and you know, it just I don't know that it emotionally sets you up on the right journey. Did you think it was weird that they, and I know it's the choices because that babe was obviously the one he was closest to. I was expecting it to be like, <laughs> this may sound basic, but it's like, hi, I'm Truman Capote. And these are the women I'm obsessed with. And these are all who they are. And this is who they're married to. And this is like, you know, that's, that feels like a Ryan Murphy ish thing, but they, the first half of the first episode is all about his connection with, Naomi Watts, and then it's mm-hmm. also like, oh, and also here's the rest of the flock. Like yeah. that's what it that's what it kind of felt like. And Jason even said it to me. He was like, I think it's weird that it's not flipped. Right. I don't know. The Swans versus Capote. <laughs> yeah. Uh if, all right. If this show does not end with a bunch of swans pecking him to death, I'm gonna be really disappointed. <laughs> and I know that's not how he died. <laughs> I'm just just throwing it out into the universe. Maybe the screener will magically change. And I'm sorry, why couldn't we have get, gotten an actor to play Johnny Carson? Oh, I don't know. Why? Because I had to look up, well, Molly Ringwald is playing his wife. 
Yeah, it's just like, okay. Well, it's just like, wait, Joanne Carson in Hollywood? Wait, is that Johnny Carson's wife? So I had to whole Google this whole thing <laughs> right? up. And I'm like, yes. uh, that, that, and her relationship to the others just didn't make any sense either. Cause I don't like, she's a swan. She's billed as a swan, but she's not really. It's very weird. Yeah. Anyway, um, I think we've uh, covered enough of that. Let's move on to the flash forward to the media we're most anticipating in the upcoming week very quickly. And uh, Joey, tell me what films you're looking forward to this week. (laughs) It feels very pointed, and I'm not sure why. Uh, Because there's nothing coming out. Oh, no, there's nothing. No, there's nothing coming out. There's nothing. Um, There's nothing. I guess I'm going to catch up. I only have 14 more movies before I've seen everything. That is nominated for the Oscars. Um, I only I've only successfully done it once, and I was like watching RRR while I was mixing like a cake thing on. Oh, Oscar. I remember that. I remember. And that. I and everyone I had like the TV tilted and like towards the kitchen, and one of my friends was like, "Does this count? You're baking while you're watching it." I was like, "Shut the fuck up! <laughs> like, I'm doing it." Um. I highly recommend, uh, if anybody can see it, The Teacher's Lounge. I loved that movie. I would say if I would not vote for Zone of Interest, I would vote for The Teacher's Lounge. Um, that is coming back out. Um, and then this week, How to Have Sex, which is a British comedy, I think. A British film uh, that was nominated, I think, at the BAFTAs. It's coming here. Um, so I guess I'll, I'll guess I'll do that. I'm going to force all these Oscar movies on all my friends. Ta-da. Also, a thousand pound sisters. <laughs> okay, Megan. Yeah. Um, I am not looking forward to any films. I'm just looking. I guess Lisa Frankenstein comes out this weekend, oh, but um, fun. yeah, but uh, nah, it's a <laughs> it's a pass from me, bro. Um, but the Super Bowl is this weekend, next Sunday, or excuse me, the uh, the Taylor Swift Super Bowl. <laughs> <laughs> I keep seeing shirts on Etsy that say, uh, go Taylor's boyfriend. <laughs> I'm, and I'm, when I say the Taylor Swift Super Bowl, I am very much kidding. Um, but, uh, I will be watching that. And I'm very tired of hearing all the, of reading all the articles or, hear, or hearing people talk about whether or not she can make it to Las Vegas in time from her last concert oh, in God. Japan. And I'm like, it's a private plane. It, it, she'll be fine. She'll be fine. I also am sick of I want the Chiefs to lose just so the Republicans shut up about her being Biden asset. Oh yeah. It's just like it's just like, well, it's obviously rigged. So I want them I want I don't, you know, wish ill will towards Travis Kelsey or any other people. Um but yeah, I want them to so, so people can also be like, shut up. As if they didn't know there weren't crazy conspiracy theorists. I think our house is a house divided. I think some people are legitimately in my house. Some people are legitimately pulling for the 49ers and, and uh, I will be pulling yeah. for the chiefs. But anyway, mm. um, true detective uh, for those of yeah. you paying, paying, playing along at home uh, airs on Friday night this week, not Sunday night because, oh, I didn't know that. Oh, because yes, they're streaming early. Uh, well, it's on HBO max early on Friday. Instead oh, right. of, um, um, and <sighs> I started this show and I need to go back to it, but there's another show that comes out much later in the year that I'm dying to get into <laughs> that you have also been watching that we can't talk oh. about yet. Oh my God. It's, oh. I need to, I need to get to uh, 
to progress beyond the last episode I'd seen. I'd seen five episodes. I need to see start the six. I did start six when I was taking down the Christmas tree, but I was like, I can't watch this now. I need to pay attention. <laughs> I need to actually. That's that's probably what I should watch because I have nothing. I I have some interviews already docked. I don't have any interviews scheduled this week. Good already. for you. That's what you should watch. But I, nice. I, I started um, The New Look, which is Apple's latest prestige limited series. I think it's a limited series, um, which starts Ben Mendelsohn as Christian Dior and uh, Juliette Binoche as um, Coco Chanel. First 15 minutes, it didn't grab me, and I kind of just like walked away. <laughs> but I need to get back to it. I'm sure it's great. James, there's a... It's just like... I feel like they created the show just because I'm not going to shut up about the costumes for it. They're just so Oh, this is gorgeous. this is this oh, is winning an Emmy for costumes. I actually think this might be out on a limb. I would say this might be the season of the um Joey has Joey implodes over costume design because the other show that we're not mentioning the title for uh the costumes also has fantastic and, costumes. The co- like oh god, the caftans. Like actually wouldn't it be kind of cool if they took the tone of that show and put that onto Capote. <laughs> uh, that would be sort of amazing. Or just take the cast and then just read. I mean, I love all the women on Capote, but I mean, uh, it would be kind of cool if they just took the tone and those other women and put them on uh, Capote versus the Swans. But um, that, the, the design of that, I am obsessed with. <laughs> like, Jesus Christ. I'm wrong. Uh, the new look is a drama series. It is not a uh, limited it, series. Really? They're they are starting to film the second season. Uh, yeah. Well, uh, maybe maybe it started off as a limited series and Apple's like, wait, we can get a drama series nomination. Nothing's coming out. Here, take a hundred million dollars per episode. There you go. There let's you go. let's build a time machine so we can transport our actors back to <laughs> World War II era France. Julia Binoche was like, what? What's happening? <laughs> like, Wait, was Coco Chanel? She was French, right? Yeah, she was French. Yeah, she was French. Why does, why, you've seen this, right? I've seen the first two. Why does she not have a French accent? I don't know. What a great question. <laughs> I'm very confused. I was like, have I ever heard Coco Chanel talk? Does she not have a French accent? Wait a minute. Who is? Wait, is she, she's French, right? Am I yeah, asshole? she is French. I just looked it up. Okay. But I'm looking at Maisie Williams is also in this, and I'm looking at who she plays, and I'm like, is that Christian Dior's wife? I'm sorry, what? Does Maisie Williams marry Ben Mendelsohn? Wasn't Christian Dior? Was he gay? Wasn't he gay? Well, Christian Dior, Catherine yeah. Dior, but they have to be related, right? <laughs> Parents, Maurice, Madeline, relatives. Christian Dior was her brother. Okay. Oh, okay. Okay. All I'm right. glad we're working through this on the air. I think we uh, yeah, I'm sorry. I'm sorry, it. listeners. No, no, no. Leave it at. All right. So anyway, uh, I need to dive into this drama series because God knows they need another slot to fill. Yeah. Because it's, it's, I mean, yay, Gilded Age. But um, it's dark. All right. Um, and then books. I am wrapping up uh, Hell House by Richard Matheson, one of the oh. older uh, haunted house books. But it's 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 really good. And it, it was made into a movie in the seventies, but I'd love. I, did I? Is somebody making this into a movie now? Um, is that why I picked it up? <laughs> Not the documentary. Uh, sorry, I'm, uh, I'm. I don't know. 
Are they remaking it? I don't know. Who wrote the book? uh, Richard Matheson. But, like, it's really dirty. Like, in in a very polite way. Um, I can't imagine. polite way. Well, it's like, instead of saying, you know, uh, they they, they use cunnilingus a a lot. Uh, They use his sex when somebody's referring to it. It's like, they go to investigate this haunted house. But like back in the day, the haunted house was like Caligula going on. Jesus Christ. <laughs> and like okay. this this one like very straight-laced woman gets possessed about three quarters of the way through the the, uh, <laughs> the movie. And yeah. her husband is impotent and she straddles him and yells at him and goes, stick it. <laughs> I really want this to be a movie so bad. I don't see it getting remade, but maybe I'll they need to remake this. They need to remake this. Anyway. Uh, does that cover it? Yeah, <laughs> I think we should cut this before it yeah, gets worse. No, I did leave it in there. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Uh, let's get the hell out of here. So we are the two M's contributors, Joey Moser and me, Clarence Moore. Thanking you for joining us. Asking you to remember to rate us on Apple Podcasts or wherever you find us. Plus, don't forget to subscribe to our YouTube channel at Awards Daily. And wishing you a very pleasant tomorrow.